Welcome to That PCOS Coach Podcast. If you're here, then there's a great chance that you too have PCOS and you're in good company. My name is Letitia Bates and I'm your host. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist and health coach. I hold a degree in nutrition and food science, currently a dietetics major on the path to becoming a dietitian and a former licensed nurse. This is my station where I shed light on polycystic ovary syndrome. You're going to hear stories from PCOS fighters, advocates, interviews from PCOS experts, and learn all things PCOS, fitness, and health. Let me tell you about today's sponsor, Funkit Wellness. Funkit Wellness is a menstrual health company who provides products to help improve your cycle, tackle menopause, and even get a little funk back in your life. From seed cycling kits to women's health education, Funkit Wellness has got you covered. Go to funkitwellness.com and use the code ThatPCOSCoach for 15% off of your order. Today, I'm chatting with a sweet friend of mine, Tatiana. Tatiana holds a master's degree in human nutrition and is a registered associate nutritionist with the Association for Nutrition in the United Kingdom. She is currently working on her PhD, focusing on mindfulness-based interventions for the management of certain predominant physiological and psychological symptoms of PCOS. Today, we're going to be talking all about mindfulness and PCOS. Hi, Tatiana. Welcome to the show. Hi, Letitia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I am so excited that you're here as well. I know we have been looking forward to recording this episode for for several weeks now. And oh, I know we're going to just talk about a lot of amazing things. I'm so excited for everyone to hear. But before we dive into that, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. So my name is Tatiana. Um, for those who don't know uh, me, I'm on uh, Instagram as the PCOS PhD. So you might know me as that um, <laughs> if you don't know me by my name. Um, I'm currently working on my PhD here in London, UK, which is focusing on mindfulness-based interventions for certain predominant physiological and psychological symptoms of polycystic ovary syndrome. Um, just a little bit of background about me. Uh, I do have a master's degree in nutrition and I'm a registered nutritionist here with the Association for Nutrition in the United Kingdom. Um, and also I'm a fellow PCOS warrior. I was diagnosed in 2004. So many, many years ago when I was young, <laughs> uh, at the age of 14 years old. And so I really understand what it's like to have PCOS and to kind of feel very lonely on that journey and not get the support that you need, whether that's physically, mentally, or both. Um, so I'm extremely, you know, passionate about empowering those with PCOS to be able to take control of their symptoms, uh, through different diet and lifestyle, especially, um, when it comes to stress, uh, mindfulness is a great, great tool, which I know we'll be discussing, um, in great depth today, but, um, yeah, I guess if, if anybody's you know, curious about more about my PCOS story. Um, like I said, I was, I was uh, diagnosed at the age of 14. Um, uh, I was experiencing like extreme weight gain, uh, very heavy, long and painful periods. And, uh, you know, a lot of hair thinning on my head. Uh, like most, I went to the GP several times and was completely dismissed, you know, was told basically mm. just, you know, uh, this is just normal symptoms of puberty, you know, you'll grow out of them. It'll all be fine. Don't worry about it. Come back later. 
Um, finally, you know, after pushing, 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 uh, my mom got me an appointment with my amazing OBGYN, uh, who did diagnose me with PCOS with insulin resistance. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was wonderful. I'm very, very grateful and lucky to have been diagnosed at such a young age. And, and I know that compared to most, my journey has been quite easy. So I don't discount that at all. Um, but however, when that diagnosis came, uh, you know, the advice that came along with it was fairly standard to what most people with PCOS hear, which is that, you know, here's some birth control pills. Um, you know, you will most likely never be able to have children, but if you do, you know, you need to really, really work on that early in life and, you know, come back when you want to have kids. And then also, yeah, cut all the carbs and cut many calories from your diet. So, uh, as a result of that, I developed several really horrific eating disorders uh, throughout the years, um, which, uh, you know, really <laughs> took a toll on my body. So, sure. um, you know, I, I understand completely what the PCOS community goes through. I mean, we are at much higher risk of eating disorder. I know that stats vary from study to study, but, you know, around 12 to 36% of the PCOS community suffers from an eating disorder um, or more than one. Um, so, you know, I guess I just, uh, that's sort of what led me into pursuing my PhD was just to be able to help those in the PCOS community who, uh, like me, have gone through quite a few difficulties. Um, so yeah, that's my story, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Like, honestly, so many of us that are um, providers, like in the PCOS space, it's, it's a lot of that is because of our, like, unfortunate negative experiences with PCOS. And like you said, like being dismissed or basically being led down a path to having an eating disorder. And when you're sharing your story, like in my mind, like the fact that you could get diagnosed at 14, like I always think that it's amazing when um, adolescents are diagnosed with PCOS because I'm thinking, oh, like, you know, maybe they can get educated earlier and be proactive earlier and really prevent those risks. But when the general treatment options are leading you down a path to an eating disorder that also puts you at risk of having an eating disorder earlier in life or, or more intensely. And it, like, it's just, there's like a double-edged sword there now that you've shared your story. No, absolutely. You know, it's funny that you say that Letitia, because, you know, now um, being more ingrained in the PCOS community, which I'm so grateful for, because uh, you guys are all just like amazing and so incredibly welcoming and awesome. Um, what I've discovered is that like, like you said, it is a double edged sword. On the one hand, like I said, my journey has been perhaps easier than most because I didn't have to wait so many years, go to so many doctors. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, be dismissed so many times over. I was very lucky I had access to, and that's another thing. I was very lucky I had access to right. good very good doctors, obviously, because I was diagnosed so early. Um, you know, but on the other hand, like, you know, whether or not you're told, I guess at 14 or at 30, cut carbs and cut calories, you know, some, you know, it's it's still the same advice. Um, so so yes, right. I, I am very, very grateful for the fact that I was diagnosed so early. And and on the one hand, like I think that. I learned very early on, you know, I guess what PCOS is, which most people do not, you know, most people right. find out much, much later, but yeah, on the other hand, it is a double-edged sword, but I do, I, I am still grateful that I, I, you know, I didn't, you know, sometimes I hear these horror stories of how people just have to go to so many different physicians and they're constantly, constantly, constantly dismissed. And it just upsets me so much. And, and, you know, I'm fortunate that that has not happened to me. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I've um, definitely have had like my battles with that, but not to the extent of some of the other stories that I hear. And so I definitely, you know, count my blessings when it comes to that, but it doesn't make it like I have so much empathy, obviously. And I know you do as well for those that are on like their 10th provider, you know, that are like, that are like fighting so hard because it's like, I know how that feels, maybe not as often or as much as what you've been going through. And I know that I I tell people all the time, I'm like, you are so worth fighting for, but I totally 100%. understand the frustration and like wanting to give up and like being tired and and, and like I think like, I totally get it. <laughs> totally, totally. No, get absolutely. It. I mean, yeah. and that's why you know people like you and and everyone else are such amazing advocates because you are insisting that you are worth fighting for, mm-hmm. which is something that we're not really often told when we're being dismissed by our healthcare know. provider. You know, we're, we're told, you know, there's not a problem. It's all in your head. Bye-bye, you know, like, yeah. but you're, you know, the fact that, you know, so many people like you are just so incredible and amazing and saying, no, if you know, there's a problem, there is a problem. And I think that's something we should be instilling, you know, and thank God for, for, for amazing advocates like you who are instilling that, that, you know, you know, your body Mm-hmm. better than this healthcare provider does, you know? So if you feel that there is something wrong, you know, there may very well be, you know, right. and PCOS is not, you know, doesn't look the same on everybody. Right. Um, um, as we all know, you know, my yeah. journey is different from your journey is different from XYZ's journey. You know? know, so, know. It's, 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 it's so, it varies so much in between everyone. And that's why, like when people are like, I'm so confused, I keep hearing I should do this. And then I hear I should do that. And I'm like, that's because we're all so vastly different. And you got some people that are trying to say that this one solution works for everyone. And that's why you're confused. <laughs> I'm 100%. like, we're all so different. But one of the things that is pretty common, and I know this is part of what we're going to talk about today, it's like mental health plays a huge role in PCOS for a lot of people, does it not? No, absolutely. It does. And I mean, I think that, you know, the one thing is, is that we're not hundred percent sure, like what came first, the chicken or the egg when it comes to mental health and PCOS. Um, you know, I think that that is still something, which is, I mean, to be honest, we're still trying to figure out the exact origins of PCOS, right? Exactly. I mean, you know, we know it's in part, gen- in great part genetic um, and epigenetic, you know, but where exactly it comes from, you know, we're not, you know, 100% sure. We know that, you know, there is a higher likelihood of someone having it in your family and then things of that nature. But, um, you know, we're still trying to figure out the exact environmental triggers or, you know, things of that nature. And I think that that's a big part of the mental health thing is, you know, uh, many studies will look at, you know, is, is, are these people with PCOS having more mental health issues because of the physical symptoms of PCOS, which are triggering these mental health issues, or are the mental health issues always there? And I think that that's, Mm. you know, something that we don't 100% know yet. And I think that's partially, I don't want to say it's, it's 100% of the, the reason, but I think perhaps it's partially why mental health is not really talked about as much as it should be, in my opinion, because it is a huge portion of PCOS. I think honestly, everybody who has PCOS should be screened for some kind of a a mental health um, condition, uh, you know, or or disorder, or, you know, even if it's, even if it's, if it's something small, I mean, truthfully, I've battled anxiety, depression for many years. And I think I never really put two and two together that it was part of my PCOS until not that long ago. You know, I, and I'm sure we've all kind of had maybe a similar situation where, you know, we're like, why has this affected me so badly? And then we find out that so many people in the PCOS community have had a very similar experience, you know, and we are 
three or more, depends on the study you read, you know, three, three or more times more likely to, you know, suffer from anxiety, depression, you know, we are seven times around more likely to attempt suicide. Um, you know, it's, it's insane, you know, and the fact that it's not really like a symptom quote unquote of PCOS is even more insane. (laughs) Like, you know, it should be something we're screened for, you know, I I know, Uh, um, I've always kind of like, I love that you said like you the, the chicken or the egg because I've always wondered I'm like is this nature versus nurture like do I have these mental health conditions because like that's just like my body naturally is going to have it or is it a result too because most of our symptoms with PCOS are against what society is telling us we need to be whether it's a beauty standard or whether you're a female trying to conceive and you're struggling with infertility so that you know if you feel like that's your sole purpose and our society does tend to make females feel that <laughs> reproduction yes, is one yeah. of our big purposes on this planet for that's sure. another topic for another day but it's like you know we can't do a lot of the things that we are expected to do or be or look like. And so that definitely has impact on our self-esteem and on our confidence, which could lead to some of those conditions. And just like you mentioned earlier, even for you at a young age, the treatment options that we are given oftentimes lead us into mental health conditions and eating disorders. So it's like a perfect storm and vicious cycle, it seems. Oh, 100%. You're so, so right that it is a vicious storm. It is a perfect cycle for, for producing, uh, you know, for producing mental health issues, mm-hmm. even if you didn't necessarily have them to begin you with. Didn't, um, yeah, didn't struggle with them prior. Yeah. So, uh, and your work is greatly, like, I know you like you're a mental health professional and you're really looking at the mindfulness part of it. Is that correct? Yeah. So I guess, um, you know, what I wanted to maybe just discuss very briefly, not to go into like too much minutia is just that, you know, a stress response is something which is so, so important for those who struggle with PCOS. And it's actually something which is hardly ever talked about by your healthcare provider. I mean, so many times, you know, we're told eat this, don't eat that, uh, you know, exercise and, you know, have a nice day. Um, you know, but you're not really told like, you know, control your stress. And that's actually for anybody with any illness, stress affects us so much more than we, you know, really, really understand, you know, and I, and I think it's something that is so important to talk about because, you know, um, short-term stress, you know, is not really necessarily a bad thing because it, it sort of lights a fire under us to get things done. Right. So, you know, in, in the short term, stressful situations have saved us from, from many things, uh, you know, especially when we were back in the day living in caves and what have you, you know, we were, you know, you're running away from the tiger. Like that's a stressful situation. Right, like you right. need to get out of, you know, the adrenaline's pumping, you gotta go, you know, like that's <laughs> like a good, a good kind of stress or like, you know, when, when you're like, you know, cramming for an exam and then you pass it and the stress is passed, you know, it's like, this is good stress, you know, that's fine. But what we're living in, in today's day and age is chronic stress, which is, horrific for our body. You know, cortisol is a word that's thrown around so much in the PCOS community. And yet nobody really explains it. Nobody really talks about what its effects on us are like for the long term. Um, you know, and really why this is, is because of a, I'm not going to, again, I don't really want to make this like too, too scientific, but you know, um, the chronic stressful situations can trigger physical responses, which will 
indeed make our PCOS symptoms worse in the long term. Um, and the reason why that is, is mostly because of a, a complex kind of set of interactions called the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, or really mostly known as the HPA axis, which is a set of interactions between the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and the adrenal gland. So the HPA axis, which is located in the brain, um, is, 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 or it's where the hypothalamus is located in the brain and it's kind of like a, a response between sort of the hypothalamus and the rest of the, the endocrine system. Sorry, I don't mean to get too, too. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just over here like, oh my gosh, I love this. I'm so glad that you're talking about <laughs> so, this. Yeah. Like, this is so important. And so I'm just like eating it up over here. <laughs> I don't mean to get like too, too nerdy. No, I just like, I'm so, I'm geeking out right now. Like, oh yes, talk about the HPA axis, please. <laughs> Keep going. So um, essentially, basically it's, it's, um, you know, the HPA axis causes a series of, of hormonal responses in order for, for us as human beings to react to stress, which includes signaling the adrenal glands to release cortisol, which is, as we know, very often it's thrown around a lot with PCOS. It's the stress hormone. So cortisol is not really a bad thing. I mean, it's good to have cortisol because like we said, you know, we need it in times of stress. The problem is this chronic elevated cortisol, which becomes an issue. So, um, and on top of all of this, certain studies have actually shown that those with PCOS may have already a dysregulated HPA axis. So then if you add, you know, on top of that chronic stress, you get even more elevated cortisol levels. So let me just back up because I just want to make sure like I'm, I'm saying this clearly, I hope I am, um, that in general, we have found in studies that um, those with PCOS do have chronic cortisol elevation um, mm -hmm. for the most part for the most part, but we don't necessarily know why that is. One theory is because the HPA axis is a bit dysregulated in those right. with PCOS. But again, this is, you know, still things that need to be studied more. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, but, you know, we, we think of stress a lot of times in just a, oh, I'm stressed out and that's bad for me, but we don't really think of what the long-term implications of being stressed out can right. lead to. Um, and chronic elevated cortisol can actually lead to a lot of things, which those with PCOS are already at a very high risk of. So like hypertension, inflammation, heart disease, type two diabetes, you know, an impaired immune function. And then of course, anxiety and depression are very big and related to elevated cortisol levels. And so controlling stress is really key, which is where mindfulness comes in. <laughs> I no, guess to make I, it all full circle. <laughs> gosh, no, I'm so glad that you talked about that because it's so important. And I'm just over here like, yes, 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 yes. Like, I'm so excited that you mentioned that. And that's something that um, like every client that comes in the door for me, like we have to work on it. And I tell them all the time, like from, from the, the jump, I'm like, look, you're going to get tired of me talking about this, but every time you see me, I'm going to be talking about stress management because it literally impacts everything. And in our modern society, like people are so much more stressed than they realize. And I actually have a stress assessment that each client does and they'll come in and I'll have some that like their stress scores won't be so bad and then after I get to talking to them I'm like your stress yeah. is out the roof and your body's already like by the time that your stress is so high that your body's giving you physical signs from it like we have like it's not an option you have to start prioritizing yes. that uh, if, if you want to be able to manage your PCOS and your health and so much of what you just explained is what 
really was one of the big root issues of why I got so sick three years ago and nobody was helping me. And it really came down to like cortisol and my adrenals and the HPA axis. And um, so I'm just so glad that you mentioned that. But the good thing is mindfulness can help with this, right? Yes. So, well, first of all, I'm so sorry that you went through that. And yeah, and unfortunately you're right. You, you probably, first of all, I think it's amazing that your clients have you. They're extremely lucky because so often, like I said, we're never talked to about stress. And um, that is the other thing is a lot of times, you know, you fill out a little form and it's like, oh no, I'm not that stressed. But then when you end up in the, really in the weeds of what that person's life is, you're like, wow, there is a lot of stress there, you know? Um, And Um, I understand that, you know, I really do understand that not everyone can, there are some stresses in life, which are necessary, you know, and some stresses, which you can't control, which are beyond your control. And unfortunately this pandemic has exacerbated quite a few of them for a lot of people, you know? So it's like, I really sympathize when somebody is, I'm, I'm talking to someone and I tell them how important it is to control stress. Like I almost feel part of me feels bad for even saying that because I just know that it's so hard, you know, it's, it's not, it's not possible for everyone, you know? So I'm sure you experience the same thing with your clients where you're just like, I really know I'm telling you this, but I know it's not always possible or it's very, very (laughs) difficult. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know like we, we talk a lot of times because like those, like those things that you mentioned, like you may not be able to change them, but there may be some things that you can like add into your day that aren't like, intrusive that don't take up a lot of time and I think that that's where mindfulness really can play a huge role um because it's like yeah like like for me for example like a huge stressor is my academic part that I'm going through and like education and you know my husband works offshore so a lot of times it's just me and so like I can't change those things like yeah they stress me out but like that that's my life but you know, even though I can't change that, I can't control that. Is there something that I can do to help my body kind of adapt to that stress as much as possible? So you definitely like hit the nail right on the head with mindfulness and control, because I think, so for those who don't know, mindfulness has been broadly defined as paying attention on purpose and non-judgmentally to one's mind and body and being in the present moment. So, you know, a lot of times also stress occurs because we're thinking of, what happened yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, and mindfulness is, is more about sort of being in the here and now, non-judgmentally paying attention to your mind and body. Um, and while you're in the present moment, I think you also sort of accept and realize things you can and cannot control. And the one thing that you can control is perhaps how you react to the situation versus what is actually happening around you. So, so very, very similar to what you were, you know, saying Letitia earlier. Um, you know, it's something that has been around for quite some time. Um, but in the last decade, there's been like an increased interest actually in mindfulness interventions and their potential effects on physiological and psychological, um, benefits. So, um, I just want to give like a very brief, just description of, you know, how mindfulness is used maybe more in the clinical setting. Um, and then also perhaps maybe more how you can use it in your, your everyday life. Um, just cause there is like a tiny, tiny bit of, of a, a difference. And I understand that not everybody is going to be necessarily attending like a full blown mindfulness intervention. Um, right. you know, um, so, um, there are different approaches that are characterized under mindfulness. Um, 
and mindfulness interventions can vary in both, uh, you know, the treatment and the delivery methods. Um, the two that are most quoted, I guess, in the literature or, you know, in studies are uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction, um, which was started in the 1970s by somebody named Dr. John Kabat-Zinn at the University of Massachusetts. Um, it is an eight-week course, which kind of uses a mixture of meditation, body awareness, yoga, and understanding of one's thoughts and feelings in order to process them without judgment. Um, this is usually the most popular thing, uh, which I, you know, which some people have, have experienced. Um, there's also uh, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, which is kind of a different approach, which combines cognitive behavioral therapy with mindfulness practices, such as meditation. Um, it's also an eight week intervention, but it was invented much, much later um, based on a lot of the things that go on in MBSR, um, but it's it's was originally started for those with major recurring depression, but since then has been used for several different conditions. So. Um, that's just a brief overview, I guess, of what a, what mindfulness is in terms of like a definition, just so everybody is like sort of aware, because I think that a lot of times when we think of mindfulness, including myself, you know, we think of like some yogi sitting under a tree yeah. um, with his legs <laughs> I, crossed. I immediately go to meditation. Yeah, like, I, yeah, like I, exactly. that's immediately where my mind goes. <laughs> um, you know, which which is not, it's not an inaccurate, you know, right. <laughs> uh, picture, but it, there's a little bit, a bit, little bit more beyond the surface of that, I guess. Um, <laughs> so uh, that is, you know, what mindfulness is. Um, in terms of how mindfulness, you know, um, has shown to help people, there has been not a lot of uh, studies done on those with PCOS, um, but I will mention the ones that have been done. Um, but first, I just want to say that uh, studies have been done with mindfulness-based interventions on just people who have type two diabetes, they have helped a lot um, with blood glucose levels. They have been done on people who have high blood pressure. They've helped a lot. Um, they've also been shown to decrease inflammation um, as well as anxiety, depression and increase self-esteem. So those are all things that would be beneficial uh, to those. Like, yeah, PCOS. like everybody, <laughs> right? everybody could benefit from this. Like I'm just sitting there thinking like, I'm literally going to send this episode to all of my clients as soon as it airs. <laughs> oh God, I'm it's so not happy. just for me. You're not getting this just for me. This is, this is coming from a professional. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, you're, you're so right. You know, I mean, a lot of times, um, you know, the, it's, uh, it's unfortunate because we don't necessarily think of those things, but those things are things that benefits that benefit, you know, people with PCOS. Cause like I said earlier, the chronic stress will lead to a lot of these, you know, things later in, in, in life. So, um, you know, as you had said before, Letitia, like this is predominantly, we believe due to a change in brain activity, which causes the autonomic nervous system and the HPA axis to regulate itself. So um, like I said, you know, if there's a dysregulation of the HPA axis, which we believe that there is in those with PCOS, you know, there will be a bit of a, a regulation of that, um, you know, an improvement rather of that with mindfulness. Um, so essentially, I guess to say this in, in a, in a layman's terms, which I really enjoy because I, I find that it, it sort of really explains mindfulness very well is that it, you know, regular mindfulness practice will rewire your brain. And as a result, your body will follow. So it is been shown and proven to do so, uh, you know, they have scanned people's brains. Um, you know, if someone hasn't seen it, there's a very, very good documentary called the, uh, mindful movement, um, which I highly recommend. Um, and it does show just how mindfulness does, you know, quote unquote, rewire your brain. And as a result, you know, many physiological and psychological changes occur. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, so, so yes. And, um, 
like I said, there have been very few studies done in those with PCOS. There have been about two. Um, you know, the first was a study of about 38 people in Greece. It was an eight week based mindfulness course. Um, and actually it showed to improve symptoms of depression, anxiety, stress, increased quality of life, and it reduced salivary cortisol levels in those wow. with PCOS. Awesome. So it was, yeah, absolutely incredible. And then there was a second one done in the United States. It was eight weeks as well. And it did show that um, it lowered perceived stress levels and fasting glucose levels in those with PCOS. Nice. So there is definitely proof that it's there, it's helping, it's working. Um, and we just need to, we need more research. We need we, to implement it a little bit yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, we need to talk about it a little bit more. And also like to note that the just in those two studies that were there how promising the results look and if like as you said that was in an eight-week time period which means in just a matter of two months you could greatly improve your health and improve your PCOS just by practicing this and I think that this could be something that would be really beneficial for those that don't feel like they have the ability to be very physical and because I know like especially on like on social media and the fitness industry like a lot of people are so focused on like what ex exercise should I do? Like what, what kind of workout should I do? And I can't do this. I don't have enough time in my day or, you know, like whatever the, the situation is, well, this could be a form of exercise. It's just not what you think in the traditional sense of like fitness for, for PCOS. And then in just a matter of eight weeks, you, you're going to get results. Oh my God, 100%. And I'm so happy you said that because, you know, a lot of times like you know, like I said, you know, we, we're not really hundred percent sure how to incorporate mindfulness into our life. And, you know, one of the ways you can actually do that, as you very well just said, is mindful movement. You know, you don't need to be, you know, all out at the gym, crazy, crazy, you know, like right, lifting weights, right. you know, on the, on, on the bike or, you know, running the treadmill, you know, in fact, for some people that actually makes PCOS worse, you know, as, exactly. as, as we know, um, you know, so, you know, it can be, honestly, your mindful movement can be as simple as a walk, some yoga, some Tai Chi, just something really to connect your mind and your body and sort of just like be in the moment. And, and I don't want to say like release the stress because that sounds very, you know, like new agey, but you know, like, you know what I mean? Like just, yeah. it's not really about, you know, a lot of times with exercise, there's a goal in mind, you know, it's like, I want to lose weight. I want to build muscle. I want to, you know, run a marathon and, and all of those things are, are, are great. If that's what you want to do, you do you boo, you know, kind of thing, yeah. but, but, you know, but, um, you know, there also is like a time and place to like have a nice mindful walk. Like for me, it is like a massive stress reliever to go outside walking. Like mm -hmm. I know for some people it is too, because, you know, we are sitting upright at a desk all day long, you know, crunched and hunched over a computer and it, and there's just so much going on through our mind all the time, you know, especially in this day and age with technology. Mm -hmm. Um, and you really can't escape like your work ever, you know? Right. Um, so, um, I'm like a big, big proponent of mindful movement. Um, I'm also like a big, like big believer in like meditation apps. You know, I think that that's like another really fun way to incorporate, um, mindfulness into your day without it being like super, super burdening. Cause I know like mm -hmm. when I start speaking and I say an eight week class, you know, in your mind, because you're also a scientist, Letitia, you're like, it's only eight weeks and you can get all these benefits but yeah. like in a normal person's mind in a normal person's mind they're like yeah. eight weeks you know yeah so, um so I understand that like for, for a normal person like eight weeks sounds like a massive commitment which is fine I, I get that trust me like I know you know not everybody mm -hmm. has eight weeks to give 
Um, you know, you could only have five minutes to give and right. you'll still see like massive benefits. You know, I know that like there are really good apps. There's, um, to be honest, actually John Kabuxin, who is the founder of mindfulness-based stress reduction has an app called the JKZ app, um, which oh, I've I, never which heard I, of that. I'm gonna have to download yeah, that. Which I recommend just because it's kind of like his course. Condensed. Like, yeah. Condensed. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Condensed um, into, you know, a, like a, like a meditation app, which I think is fun. Um, you know, the Headspace app is extremely popular. Um, mm-hmm. I love the voice on the Headspace app. Yeah, I agree. It's like, it's such a, like a, a soothing, awesome voice. Um, I have found, and it's been a while since I've actually used Headspace because I don't use the app anymore, but um, I think that one only gives you like a free version up to a, a certain point. Is that right? Is that how that still works? You have to- I believe so. Yeah. And, um, so there's also insight timer. I don't know That's if anybody, That's the one I yeah, do. I do love, I love insight timer as well. I, I think it's great because there's so much variety on there too. Which and for I find free, fabulous. you don't have to pay for, yes, and for you, know, free. I mean, you can for some of them, but they're for free. Yeah. Yeah, for the most no, part. I totally agree. I love Insight Timer. Um, there's also the Calm app, which has some guided meditations and sleep stories, which fe- feature some celebrities. Um, you know, I'm not affiliated to any of these apps, so I'm literally just saying, you know, what I what I found along the way <laughs> of uh, of meditating. But I do, I do, I do like the variety on, on Insight Timer and the fact that there's so many free ones. I think is is a really good place to start, especially if you're just beginning. Um, yeah, you, know, you don't want to necessarily invest. Now, um, I do have a question about those because I usually like if I have a uh, clients that because most of the time especially within the first month of working together um I'm usually recommending mindful movement of like just walking twice a day for short spurts so that you have a couple of times in your day that you have some mindfulness and then either daily meditation breath work or something along that lines of like whatever they enjoy and if they are intrigued in wanting to start doing like guided meditations whether it's with an app or whatever the case is I've always recommended like, Hey, like if you don't know, like when to fit this in your day, try to do it like right before you go to bed. So even if you do fall asleep during the guided meditation, like at least like it kind of leads you into sleep. Would you agree with that? Or like, what would you suggest for someone that's like, how do I fit start? Like what time of the day? How do I start this meditation? Honestly, I think the advice you're giving is like golden. I mean, honestly, because I think that first of all, it's kind of like when people ask you, you know, what time should I be exercising? It's like, the time when you'll do it, like, right. right like, you exactly. know, yeah. um, you know, so I think that that's, that's definitely, you know, true. I think that, um, you know, I, I like to do some sleep, you know, meditation, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I, I found that I've had some difficulty sleeping in this pandemic, um, as many of us have, right. um, you know, so for me, it's been like a nice thing to, to, you know, relax to before going to bed. Um, so, no, I think your advice is like perfect. I think, you know, whenever somebody can fit it in, you know, also it's like, you know, we don't want to be, <laughs> we don't want to be driving and listening to like a nice yeah, sleep meditation app, like, <laughs> something like that. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like what time and, you know, for some people um, with PCOS, like they really struggle with like that awakening cortisol. Yes. And so like they have like a lot of fatigue or brain fog. So it's like starting your day for some of them is really hard and yes. stopping midday is really tough. So I'm like, let's just do it before bed because you're already winding down anyways. And then if you're like me, I usually fall asleep. And so it just helps me like go, go right into sleep. So it's no harm, no foul. (laughs) No, I totally agree. I I think that's like the best advice, honestly, because like I said, you know, you want to be like in a state where you're kind of in it, you know, you don't want to be like half in half out because then there's really no point um, either. You know, it's like, you're not really 
dedicating and to be honest I just want to also like make it clear that like I'm sure you found the same the same thing that it takes work to get into this like it's not just a okay I do it once and like I'm in you know I don't know for me like I found it in the beginning to be a little bit like that that scene and I don't know if anybody's seen like eat pray love where she's like you know sitting in the yoga class you know and the clock like is barely moving you know but it feels like forever you know type of thing I found it you know I'm a very type a fast-paced person as you are you know Letitia so I found it difficult to get into in the beginning to be honest I Um, imagine that scene too that's automatically the first (laughs) thing that I go to and I I think that that was also like part of my reluctance whenever I was introduced to mindfulness was just because I was like, I'm not going to be able to sit still and, you know, focus on something like, like, no, it's not for me. So totally, but to my understanding, like that's what's supposed to happen. Like that's the normal part. Like you're like, like that's what you're going to experience. Like that's part of the process and why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. You're so, so right. Absolutely. Because you're right. It, 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 it is work <laughs> like all things to better oneself. It is work. Um, it does take time. It's not, you know, instantaneous to just get into it like that. And like, of course, like it's not really normal for us to learn to, you know, not be thinking about 4 million things that are going on or that will be happening tomorrow, you know, especially if you have such a busy life, you know, literally you have so much going on, you have children and you have school and you have, you know, your husband and you have your, your you know, your home and, and all these things. And so of course it's like, your brain is constantly probably occupied with like, what is, you know, my child doing? What is my husband doing? You know, what am I doing? What are, what are, right, what is, what am I cooking right. for dinner? What am I making for breakfast? Like, you know, it's yeah. just like, <laughs> so, you know, of course it's, it's just so, you know, occupied. So you're right. It is normal for it to be very uncomfortable in the beginning, um, you know, and to feel that way. So that's why I always recommend that people start off small, you know, like personally speaking, um, you know, yoga is like a wonderful, wonderful, uh, mindful movement, in my opinion, which has shown to have very many benefits for those with PCOS, um, beyond even, uh, what the two mindfulness studies have shown. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it has shown to, you know, help with hirsutism and, you know, even certain, um, reproductive, uh, and endocrinological, uh, factors, but, I don't necessarily like recommend yoga right off the bat to someone because, you know, it's like to commit to a class of yoga, if, if that's maybe not your thing in the beginning might honestly stress you out more, you know? So, um, and the types of yoga too, like that's something like where where I work, like we, we recommend, I mean, pretty much all of my clients get a recommendation of yoga, but whenever I'm talking about yoga, I'm talking about yin yoga, restorative yoga, like your, your calming, soothing. I'm not talking about your core cardio yoga in a hot studio. Like that's, that's not like, that's actually like causing that stress response in a certain situation, you know, cause any, like even weight training is a, is a stressor on the body. No, so like, we're really looking at like really lowering the stress and trying to ground and bring you down. And, um, that's something that I feel like most people, even when they hear yoga, they're still thinking of it from a fitness exercise aspect and trying to get in, like how many calories can I burn? How much can I sweat instead of like, actually sitting down and holding a pose for a long time and having to sit within your own mind and breathing and and that kind of experience. (laughs) 
No, absolutely. You're so, so right. That is, that is honestly the case. I think a lot of the time. And so I think, yes, you're right. It's, it's definitely about controlling that stress response. Um, you know, um, that is just so, so important. And honestly, like sometimes I even just recommend, like, I know this is not even something we really talk about that much, but you know, just like art therapy or mindful oh, coloring yeah. can be another way to incorporate mindfulness in your life. If it's maybe something that you enjoy, you find like relaxing, um, you know, uh, if you are interested in doing like an actual mindfulness course, like there are ways of, of going about it. If something is really, really hardcore and wants to try, yeah. um, you know, uh, the Oxford Mindfulness Center um, is a, uh, a good place to start. I would say they have, uh, you know, quite a few courses depending on somebody's like schedule and availability, um, you know, and even some stuff online. So you don't necessarily need to be here in the UK. Um, you know, there's also a really great uh, MBCT course called Be Mindful, um, which is about four week minimum. It's like broken up into four different themes and you sort of uh, complete it at like your own pace if you want to. So that's not, you know, super, super uh, stressful. But yeah, I think there are definitely like very many different ways to get into, you know, mindfulness, like you said. And I think you're right. It's, it's just like yoga, you know, it's not, it's not like a one size fits all for, for, for each person, mm -hmm. you know, it's, and it's definitely about controlling that stress response as much as you can versus aggravating it, which we right. very well can do when we try to, um, you know, uh, try something new sometimes, you know, sometimes we're so focused on, you know, some, I had somebody who came and told me like, I really liked meditation and I tried it. But the thing was, is like, I kept getting really stressed out about not doing my meditation every day, like, or worrying about like missing it. And then that stressed me out more. And I was like, well, that's kind of not the point. Like that's, that's kind of, it's, it's not what we want. You know, it's we don't want you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's counterproductive. We don't want you to be stressed, overly stressed about, you know, yeah. like meditating every day. That's not, you know, that's not what we want. We want it to be, you know, like you're doing this because you feel better, not because it's like stressing you out more, you know? Yeah. So, um, I think that's so much what people, you know, also experience is that they, they sometimes get like really. And so that's why I think what the advice you give your clients is like amazing about sort of just, even if it's right before you go to sleep, because you're already like in a bed laying down. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like you had to carve out this time. And like you said, I mean, I've experienced, and I'm sure many others, the horrific fatigue that comes along with having PCOS. So mm -hmm. sometimes during the day, you don't really want to be more relaxed. You already feel tired enough. Yeah. Like you were saying. <laughs> so. Yeah. And it, it just depends. Like my husband and I use the term uh, a medi nap. Like sometimes, you know, we have that time throughout the day where you just need a refresher. And so we'll meditate uh, to the point where we can take a, a nap and then hopefully wake up refreshed and recharged. And, I, you know, which you can also like, especially if you're using those apps like Insight Timer, if there's certain things that you're trying to accomplish, whether it's like more self-awareness or more yes. self-love or, or boosting your self-esteem or, you know, like whatever the case is, like there may be a certain goal that you have out of your meditation practice that you can achieve. And sometimes those goals are more uplifting and that can like give you that energy boost. And whenever I was working as a nurse, there I mean, it was a super high stress environment. And oh, so sure. I remember like, you know, leaving to go into my car sometimes just to like meditate, <laughs> to just try to bring no. like when I could feel that, uh, the way I've always explained my anxiety, it's like a bunch of bouncy balls are inside my body, just like mm -hmm. jumping around everywhere. And that was like the, the one thing that I could do during the day that could help 
bring that down and kind of calm those bouncy balls down. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, what's so, first of all, I'm, I think that you've just like explained everything so clearly because I think that that just goes back to even what we were saying earlier about even getting a PCOS diagnosis. It's that, you know, your body better than anyone, mm -hmm. you know? So um, when you're experiencing that kind of really anxiety ridden state of like bouncy ballness, or shall yeah. we say, um, <laughs> you know, which I've experienced as well. It's like, you know, you need that time to be able to calm down because obviously your cortisol levels are like off the charts at this point. And you're, you know, experiencing like probably a really irregular and fast heartbeat and you know sweaty palms and all the things that go along with it. And just the whole, right, like, Oh my God, right. what am I going to do with my life type thing? Yeah. Um, you know, so, um, so you know, it's, it's definitely, yeah, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it, yes, in terms of incorporating any kind of meditation, you know, yes, do it whenever you feel most comfortable, obviously not in a dangerous situation, as we've, as uh, me and Letitia have said, do not do this like while driving or operating heavy machinery or whatever. Um, <laughs> disclaimer. But, but, um, disclaimer, but, um, but yeah, if you feel like you're like, you know, if like, let's say you're at work and you feel like you're in a really high stress environment, you have the ability to go into a room by yourself or your car, as you've just said, and, and then just do it for a few minutes and it will help you, you know, you feel the, the stress levels coming down, you know, that's like a really wonderful way to respond to your own body and its symptoms because at the end of the day like you're the one who knows your body best and you're the one who knows you know how your body responds best and I think that that's that's something that's like we're not really told a lot when we have PCOS is like you know intuitively already what is wrong what is not when your body feels its best when it doesn't you know it's like so often we're, we're, we're given these measures that are not personalized when it comes to PCOS you know mm -hmm. which is frustrating. You know, we're told here's a BMI you need to be in. Right. Here's like the normal age range to have children. Here's like, mm -hmm. you know, a normal follicle count. Here's this, here's that. And it's like, no, no. What's normal for X might not be normal for me. You know? Right. So it's, it's just the case, I think with all things that even with meditation, like, you know, um, once you kind of get into it, you know, as, as you have, you yourself have, you know, you know, that, there are certain moments in the day where, you know, it's really beneficial for you. Um, so I think that that's like really, really, uh, for me, like I always, I always tell people with any kind of chronic illness or people with, especially with PCOS that like, you know, you are your own kind of expert, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, when, on yourself, you know, you've lived in your body for X number of years, you know, you know, yourself better than anyone. Um, you know, you know, how you respond to certain things, you know, that's why this whole, movement that comes out with, you know, don't eat this, don't eat that, eat this, right. eat that, or things of that nature, you know, is, is not necessarily what's right for everyone. And, and that's the same with, with meditation, just like you said, um, it's, it's a question I think of learning, you know, what you kind of react to best and when you react to it best and, and so on. And, and if so you forth. enjoy it, if you'll yeah, be able to, to maintain it and keep it up. So when it comes to mindfulness, what are, so we've, we've talked about like yoga, there's meditation, there are actual programs for like, um, mindfulness based stress reduction, like within the category of mindfulness, what are the different quote unquote exercises that we can do if we want to look into that and kind of find which one fits us best? Well, I would, to be honest, su probably suggest that somebody 
if they're a very, very high strung person, like I, mm-hmm. I am. <laughs> and is that, that whole eat, pray, love scene, um, yeah. probably starts out pretty small. Um, you know, I would say, first of all, don't, you know, if, if it's not something you're sure you're going to really, really enjoy, maybe don't invest a lot of money in it upfront. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I'm always like conscientious of that. Cause I know that, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's like a, it's like a gym membership that you never go to type right, of thing, you right, know, to, no, like, totally you, know? <laughs> um, you know, so, so maybe, maybe to start off something for free, like we said, uh, Lucia and I have a lot, had a lot of success with insight timer. There's like thousands of different free things on there. And, and like Letitia very, very well pointed out, um, there are different meditations, I think, depending on like your mood or your situation or kind of what you're sort of going for, um, which I think is so important just because, uh, we do struggle with a lot of different um, things with PCOS and um, they're not really addressed, you know, whether that's like self-esteem issues, loneliness, and feeling that we don't really have anyone who understands uh, what we're going through, um, you know, and, and the list goes on, you know, anxiety, depression, whatever. And, and it does have like a pretty wide variety of, of different things you can try. So I would, I would definitely say like, if you can try an app, you have the ability, you have five minutes a day even to start with, you know, do that. Um, you know, as Letitia very well said, uh, you know, start before going to sleep, like you're laying down anyway, you know, so mm-hmm. you really don't lose anything. It's not like you're losing time it's in not, your day. Yeah, it's not intruding you into know? your day. Yeah. Um, so I think like everything you said is like totally perfect. Um, if you want to progress like beyond that, um, and you do like yoga or it's something that you enjoy, I would definitely, um, incorporate that into your, uh, your day because it has been shown to have a lot of benefits, both reproductively and endocrinologically for those with PCOS, um, for the same kind of reasons that it, uh, regu- regulates the HPA axis also has been shown that it could potentially regulate, which I'm not going to go into much detail about but the <laughs> HPO axis, uh, oh, which is, yeah. which, which is the more reproductive end of, 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 uh, our PCOS issue issues, quote unquote, you know, our PCOS mm-hmm. symptoms, shall we say? So, so, um, but again, you know, if you're starting off, like I personally don't love these hardcore yoga classes, like Letitia was saying, you know, it's not really my thing. Like if I wanted to do that, I would not be going to a yoga class, like, you know, um, (laughs) but if that's your thing, fine. Okay. But, but it's just, you know, I I would say that if you're, if you're just starting off, you know, restorative yoga is probably a really great way to go. Um, you know, like we said, mindful movement, even if it's walking five minutes a day outside, you know, obviously as, as we're very well aware, um, we don't in general as a human race get enough vitamin D. Um, but, those with PCOS also have a lot of vitamin D issues. Yeah. So, um, walking outside is something I think that's beneficial for, 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 for our community in general, um, to be able to, uh, get walking some of that. So underrated, time. like it's just hundred percent. I feel like people look at it from a, uh, it's just an exercise and I'm like, no, 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 no. There's so many other benefits, like the 100%. parasympathetic, the mindfulness, the, you know, getting outside in nature with the green space and, and blue spaces and things like that. Um, it's just, it's got so many benefits. It just is not getting the hype that it deserves. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I think that, you know, just like another thing, like you were saying, um, one of the things like we never really talk about is, is or I've never really been told this by like, you know, a doctor is like, okay, you know, if you have the chance, like, you know, a lot of people are, are back to work in their office, you know, but if you have the chance, like during your lunch break, like to eat lunch and then go walking, it is like really beneficial for your PCOS in a lot of different ways, including, you know, 
with those kind of glucose spikes. Right. right. Um, you know, so, so, so yeah. So, you know, just like you said, it's good for the mental, it's good for the physical, it's good for a lot of things. Um, so I would definitely, I mean, personally, I recommend walking to everybody, you know, if you can't get it done every day, that's fine. I know everybody has life, you know, and, and things happen, you know, and that's another thing I would say, just try and take the pressure off. I think that's the thing is like, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to get so much done. That is not right. helping your stress at all. Like really it's not. I've known this for myself too. I think that it's just almost like it, the more you do it, it becomes like almost just part of your day, like almost like a mm-hmm. daily appointment. And that's great, you know, but, but don't, if you miss it, nobody's going to die. And it's that's the be whole okay. point. Like, you know? Yeah. That's the whole point of yeah. like time to relate that judgment where you're not judging yourself or missing that appointment Absolutely. or, you know, like, you know, it really helps that the more that you do it. And I've always kind of called it uh preventative care. Like in the beginning, yeah, you're, you're more, acutely trying to like, you know, tackle your immediate stress or you're trying to tackle like whatever goal that you have, but the more that you do it, and I believe the studies that I've looked at uh, showed this as well, like the more that you do it, you kind of build up this like barrier that when you do have stress in the future, you're more uh, equipped to adapt and, and respond to it in a more productive way. Is that what you oh, absolutely. are Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I think you're so, so right. I think, you know, everything you said is just, is was so perfectly said, because I think it's also just, you're so, it's also, you're right. It's an acceptance of what you can and cannot control in a sense. Um, and your, and your present situation and also just, yeah, how to adapt to that stressful kind of, kind of situation. Um, for me, at least I've found that because I think that before I used to get really high strung in like situations, which maybe were not even that big of a deal in this game of life, you know? <laughs> um, and now I think I've learned to adapt much better to that, you know, and just look at the bigger picture maybe and realize, you know, okay, it's not, you know, a huge thing and I'm, I'm going to move on from it. And, and that's just, that's life. Things happen. Yeah. You know? I, I love that. And, you know, like, I know you've like mentioned like so many of the like health biomarker benefits of mindfulness, but what you just said of, of like how we can't control things. And I know so many people with PCOS, like that's one of the big components of what they're really struggling with. It's like, so I have this condition that is entirely out of my control and it's causing all of these symptoms that I don't like and I don't want. And I feel just totally, you know, again, out of control. And so just being able to help with coping with that and kind of surrendering to that process and, and being in a better position can just help you come to terms and being better accepting of your diagnosis too. Oh, 100%. I think for me, like the biggest thing I always tell people is that self-acceptance and self-love is such a big part of having PCOS because we look at it so much as part of our identity, which it is, you know, don't get me wrong, but it's not at the same time. It's just a, such a small part of who we are. Um, we are so much more than, than PCOS, you know, um, I would say my PCOS is a part of me in the sense that it has shaped who I am and it has shaped, you know, my experience in life, but I, I wouldn't want someone looking at me and just thinking, oh, there's that girl with, you know, PCOS. That's not 
who I am. You know what I'm saying? So yes, it has been interwoven into my story and has made me who I am in, in a sense, but it is just such a tiny portion and self-love and self-acceptance are so huge when it comes to having PCOS, I think, because it is unfortunately a chronic condition with no cure. This is where we're at today. Um, and so many things, yes, we can better ourselves and we should, you know, we should take the tools that are available to us, whether that's nutrition, exercise, mindfulness, you know, therapy, you know, and the list just goes on and on and on whatever tools, you know, are available to you, please take them, please use them, but please also know that you are worthy no matter what, you know, you, you should love yourself no matter what you should accept yourself no matter what. And that PCOS is like really, really just a small, tiny portion of who you are, you know, and I know that's so much easier said than done. Trust me. Like I'm still working on that. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a a work in progress, but geez, like Tatiana, like you put it so perfectly and it's so, and I feel like that is something that people really, truly struggle with. But then again, like we're not having these conversations because like you're constantly told like what you're doing wrong or what you're not doing enough. Yes. We're not having those, those conversations of like, like everything that you just said, like a hundred percent. No, but you know, it's, it's honestly, it's think I'm, that's why I'm so grateful to advocates like you and, you know, so many others in the PCOS community, because I believe that, you know, it's all, it's you all who have taught me to love and accept myself in so many ways, because I, you know, I've seen such an amazing example in, in mm-hmm. you and, and, and so many others, but it's, it's difficult when you feel very alone in the beginning. So that's why mm-hmm. I think like, you know, social media is like an amazing thing and a bad thing, you know, yes, we don't want the bad things, which is comparing ourselves to other people mm-hmm. or, you know, having this ideal, you know, image of perfection, which is not real, right. um, you know, <laughs> But at the same time, I think the beauty of it is that there's such a beautiful PCOS community. So for those who are not, you know, on social media, I, I, I the only reason why I would ever encourage someone to get on is to be able to be a part of this beautiful community, um, which, you know, has taught me in so many ways that I am worthy despite my PCOS and that yes. it's just a small, small part of who I am. Yes. Yes. But I've, I hear like with social media, so many people like they absolutely hate their PCOS or they're, they'll ask me like, how are you so confident with it? How are you so accepting? You're so positive about it. And, you know, it's just like, it, it it's kind of like a grievance process. You know, I've, I haven't always yes. been this way. I've, I went through the denial phase and I still to this day have my moments where I have anger and resentment of like you know why am I doing all of these things I'm working so hard and you're still going against me body why are you doing this you know like I still have that but like for overall you know like and I just have the top of mindset and and hey maybe this is part of you know mindfulness role in my journey of like you know um my emotions and how I feel negatively about my PCOS is totally valid and I can acknowledge that not judge it, but at the end of the day, acting on that negativity doesn't help my PCOS anymore. So if I'm going to just sit here and have my pity party all the time and be negative about it, it doesn't help me. So why do that? Why put my energy into to the negativity? Instead, I can just, you know, try to look at the silver lining, try to do the best that I can. And I mean, at the end of the day, I think that's what we all can do is just do our best. No, absolutely. I think you're so right. I think, you know, um, just like you said, you know, it's just a question of, um, I guess, trying to take control of what you can with the tools that you have been given, which a lot of times, unfortunately, like you said, with those with PCOS, we're not given any, <laughs> um, which is the, right. which is the big problem to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we're just told like, you know, stop eating carbs and have a good day type yeah, thing. Yeah. Here's you know? some birth control um, with you later. 
Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm curious to know your thoughts on, um, because I can just see like where mindfulness is, it could be such a crucial, huge part of someone's treatment plan. What do you see for mindfulness and PCOS in the future? And I know that you're currently like, that's part of your studies and, and that's your jam and what you're working on. Like, what are you looking to see in the future or hoping to see in the future? Um, well, so I guess my my short-term plan for my own, you know, uh, PhD is just, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be working on um, what's referred to as like phase two of my PhD, which will most likely be a qualitative study where I will be um, interviewing both uh, clinicians and PCOS patients in order to see what they have used or recommended to their PCOS patients in order to see where mindfulness can sort of fit into that. Um, and then my third phase would be to hopefully run um, my own intervention, my own mindfulness intervention, which would be like a randomized control trial in order to see the uh, effects of mindfulness. So like in the short term, that's what I, I guess I hope to do. In the long term, my, my, my hope in my heart would be that mindfulness would be something that would be recommended to all PCOS patients, not just mindfulness, stress reduction in general, mm -hmm. um, or anything like that should just be something that is, um, you know what? If we could even start with clinicians mentioning stress when it comes to PCOS, I think that will be a huge success because I've never once been in a doctor's office and no. had somebody ask me, what is your stress level or what is your, what is the stress in your life? Or are you stressed out or anything like that? I've only been asked like, are you like eating? Are you cutting cow? Are you logging your food? You know, things of that nature or, you know, how old are you? Things like that. How much do you weigh? Like I've never been, you know, asked like, um, things like that. So I guess, I, I guess my hope for mindfulness or anything really would just be that clinicians have a more holistic sort of view of PCOS, which is that it's not just what you look like and it's not just reproductive it's yeah, so much no, more I'm so glad you said that and that like when you were saying that and you mentioned like the more holistic view I hope that we see that in our more modern western conventional medicine but that's like one of my favorite things about working in functional medicine which yes. is not accessible to everyone and like it's, it's yes it's this constant like conflict you know within myself of like I wish everyone had this type of care but how can you get the type of care for everyone? It's not typically a network with insurance. So it's generally a luxury out-of-pocket cost, but that's, that's the kind of route that naturopathic, holistic, integrative functional medicine takes where they do yes. look at things like stress and they are asking you those questions because they're trying to look at it from a holistic point of view. But um, that is still so greatly inaccessible to a large portion of those with PCOS. So we're, we're behind the mark. If we could at least get everyone on board to, to mention it, like how, like that would just totally like tenfold change our community. Absolutely. Just to mention it, or like we even said earlier, um, to ask someone if they're struggling mentally, 100%. Um, to ask someone if they're struggling maybe with things that are not visible to the naked eye, like, okay, fine. You can see someone's weight or you can see if they're having hirsutism problems or if you're their doctor, you know, if they're having reproductive issues, but like, we are so much more than that. Like, yes, like that is a huge part of PCOS, but like, how is it really like affecting you, you know, mentally, like on your day to day, like, what is your life like? Like, I don't think like doctors really ask those questions enough, you know? Um, and it's really, really hard sometimes in the beginning, like, you know, most um, studies that have, you know, asked actually physically interviewed those with PCOS, um, 
you know, as qualitative data have mostly found that the, the running themes a lot of the time are, are so sad, to be honest with you, Letitia. It's like I, the theme of isolation, the theme of feeling like less of a woman, the theme mm-hmm. of feeling like a freak, the theme of feeling like, you know, and it's like, we shouldn't be feeling this way but it's a lot of times because we're not really educated on what, you know, on, on what the syndrome really is and right. how badly it affects so many different facets and aspects of our life. So, and our society is just, it just, and society, you know, of course, standard. and I even noticed this as well, especially here recently on social media. Um, like I'll just use an example of, of seeing a woman with PCOS who sported a full beard. She tried you know, everything in her power um, to stop it. And then finally she got to the point where she embraced it. And there are, um, there's, there's lots of people out there that are currently doing the same thing. And it really saddened, saddened me to see even people with PCOS that are part of the same community, you know, um, criticizing and judging the choice to embrace it. And it's like, how yeah. can we expect our community to advance when even within ourselves, we can't support each other and, and be there for each other. Like, it's so frustrating, but you know, like it it has to start within too. Like we have to start having conversations about it. We have to start supporting each other and even asking each other too, like, you know, how are you doing? Like, I know you and I are really good friends and we check in on each other. And it's something I love about our friendship. Like if you have some uh, friend or know someone with PCOS, like checking in on them because the odds are they're not getting the mental health screening that they need and stuff like that. They're not getting the support that they need. So it could, it could easily start with us just having the conversations and and talking about it and then that just gives power to grow for sure 100 and i think like you're saying it would just we need to destigmatize a lot of this whether it's physical or mental mm-hmm. when it comes to pcos because unfortunately even within our own community it's stigmatized like what what is that I like know, you know, I know. Like... It's, so, it's so frustrating but <laughs> it's when you look at that it's like it's no wonder we're struggling with the confidence and self-esteem or mental health conditions it's no wonder like we're set up for it absolutely almost. no absolutely you're so so right I, you're right it's just it's actually really heartbreaking if you think about it, to be honest. It is, um, it is. But I'm so glad that you shared with us about mindfulness because now like if, you know, the audience can hear this, like there are so many benefits to it. It could be something that you can easily add into your day, depending on what that looks like for you. And honestly, I just expect the science to just get better and better in the years to come when it comes to mindfulness and PCOS. And hopefully it'll, it'll start becoming a more traditional treatment option for a lot of people. I hope so. Yeah, no, it's definitely the one good thing or the few good things about it besides, you know, the, the, the good outcomes is that, you know, it is accessible to almost everyone, you know, everybody has an iPhone or or an Android or some kind of a phone where they can download some kind of a meditation app, you know, and it's inexpensive, you know, as we said, you can start with something that's free and, um, you know, portable and accessible. So that's the one good thing is that it's not, you know, it's not something that's uh, inaccessible to, to people. So, yeah. And then, I mean, there are different, like you mentioned earlier, those different workshops, and I'm sure that there are things that pop up. Um, I'm sure, I'm assuming there's even free, you know, workshops and things like that that are available throughout the year in different locations too. And then even with your study, um, you know, like that's another great option, like checking with local universities, because I was introduced to mindfulness through a study at Vanderbilt. And then I know like you're researching and studying on this. So sometimes you could even reach out to local universities. They may have 
you know, uh, a study going on where you can join that for free and, yeah, absolutely. and, and it benefits the, the community and, and benefit science too. So that's an option as well. Um, are there any books that you recommend? I know I have the book, uh, Mindfulness in Plain English. Is that, is, is there any other ones like that? Uh, I do uh, love, <laughs> I know I've been like touting him this whole time, but John Kabat-Zinn, who is basically the father of mindfulness, I've read his book, um, which is called Full Catastrophe. Uh, a few times. Um, it's a very large though. It's like a doorstop. Um, but it's essentially, oh, wow. if you're very geek, <laughs> you're very geeky, like I am and Letitia is, um, yeah. it's a good thing because it actually kind of goes through his different courses and what he saw in different people and what they had and how they reacted and nice. things of that nature. Um, so if you're, if you're like a little bit of a geek, um, it's a good one. Um, he has other books, which are maybe more condensed versions also. So I definitely always recommend going to, going to him since he's like the father of all this. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> like I said, the mindful movement is a great documentary. Honestly, actually jewel, um, the singer is in it. Yeah. I didn't know this, but she has had a very, uh, very, very like good relationship with mindfulness, wow. um, throughout the year. She's even started like her own program and she had like quite the childhood. My goodness. I did not know how, how, um, rough she had it so I admire her quite a lot after after watching this but it just shows um very very much how, how mindfulness has affected a lot of people and she even started like her own sort of mindful uh course for for teenagers who are suffering um just because that's like a population that's not really you know we don't really focus on enough I think right um so it's definitely a documentary I recommend um you know and a Apart from that, I'm trying to, you know, honestly, just any, I mean, the, the guy who, who runs Headspace, Andy Putty Put Comb, he, mm -hmm. he has quite a few books also, which are um, on mindfulness on Amazon. Um, you can get them. Um, I don't really, to be honest, remember the titles of all of them, but. Um, yeah, I know that um, because, and I'm going to, I wonder if that book that you mentioned earlier from the father of mindfulness is on Audible, because, you know, I drive so much. So most of oh, my books yeah, that yeah. I yes. listen to, but even on Audible um, before, I feel like here lately, I feel like there's definitely a bigger boom in, in mindfulness, like as far as like getting access to apps and having things like Insight Timer and stuff like that available. But there used to be Audible books that had like series of mindfulness that I used years ago and then I think Headspace has even went into the um like the the streaming services I've, I've seen it I don't know if it's on Hulu or Netflix or somewhere else so like you can now get it even yes, on your yes, television yes, set. Yes, yes. yeah he, he has something going on, on on Netflix you're right um I have yes, not seen it myself yes. but but I have I I saw he had like he has like a sleep one and he has like a interest yes you're right you're right you're right he does have something going on I need to look that, a little more into that but I did see it um he has something going on on Netflix so yeah that's it's actually so, good, very good for it's so accessible now because it's at your fingertips for the most part and there's so many free options so it can fit pretty much anybody at this point YouTube is another option as well yes absolutely I always <laughs> recommend you know if you're like especially if you're like a beginner yoga you don't really want to spend a lot of money there's like a ton of different options you know like the yoga with Adrian or yoga by Viola or different people you know there's who have a lot of like free videos um and yeah, yeah youtube is a great is a great resource for anything honestly these yeah. days you oh, can I find know, pretty I much know. anything <laughs> well again um before we go can you just tell the listeners like where can they connect with you and reach you at any resources that they can find you hi sure so uh, my name is tatiana for for those who don't who don't remember from the beginning um, and you can find me on instagram at the pcos phd 
or you can find me on Twitter at my name, which is uh, Tatiana Alafuzo. Maybe a little more complicated than the PCOS page. I'll put all of that but, in the, in the uh, but, show notes. <laughs> thank you so much. But I mostly yeah. hang out on Instagram, so definitely catch me there. Um, I'm always accessible. DM me anytime. Um, you know, I, I love hearing from 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 people in the PCOS community, and and I'm always open to help in any way that I can. So, well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your knowledge with us. This was amazing. Oh, thank you so much, Letitia. No, no, you're wonderful. And and I'm so grateful that you had me on. And thank you for all the work that you do for the PCOS community. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for tuning in to That PCOS Coach. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to be featured on the podcast, have questions about the information that you listen to or anything else, you can contact me at thatpcoscoach at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, could you do me a solid, leave a rate and review. It really helps the podcast reach more people like you in the PCOS community. And until next time, keep fighting. 